Welcome to Not Another Runner podcast, a running and health related podcast created by a run of the mill, yes, pun intended, everyday runner. Join me for all things running, health and well-being related, for the highs and lows of life, training and chasing goals. This podcast is designed to keep you motivated and enthusiastic on your journey to health and happiness. Every time I run, I discover something new about me and about life, be it a reason why I run or a discovery of myself. I genuinely find gratitude through running. I am able to stay healthy and fit through the execution of my passion, but furthermore, I am able to achieve peace, presence, growth and discovery. And I love to hear all your stories on how running has changed your lives and what it's brought to you. I want to connect like-minded people through the power of podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Not Another Runner podcast. Today's guest for episode 17 is the Sophie Power, a British ultra runner, a wife, a mother of two, an entrepreneur and activist. Sophie started running back in 2009 when she found herself signing up to the infamous Marathon de Saab before she had even run a mile and before she'd realised the length of the event, having been inspired by a friend who'd completed the multi-stage event of 250 kilometres or 156 miles over seven days in 50 degrees Celsius heat through endless dunes. Sophie has gone on to accomplish so many incredible things since that first event, including a full Ironman with only nine months of training, a Spartathlon, which was a 155-mile non-stop race, the Nepal Multi-Stage Ultramarathon, an Impact Marathon, Transcranconeria Ultramarathon, Spine Fusion's 270-mile unaided race this summer along the Penine Way, and in total, a whopping 40 ultramarathons, which included the UTMB in 2018. In 2018, Sophie had qualified again for UTMB, having been unable to defer her entry to the prestigious ultramarathon back in 2014 when she was pregnant. Sophie was determined to make the start line in 2018, but the logistics soon found her just three months postpartum for race day. Incredibly, Sophie made the start line, despite not running for the first eight weeks after giving birth, and was able to complete the race. Her initial goal was to get to the start line. So she completed the race all while breastfeeding along the way. Um, And as we, most of us will have heard and seen and witnessed the photo that went viral through Strava of Sophie breastfeeding and pumping at the same time while she was mid-race. Sophie attributes her ability to complete this epic ultramarathon not only to her resilience and having a true and meaningful goal, goal, sorry, but furthermore, the team she chooses to surround herself with and the important factor of goals and shared goals within her marriage and family. Her outlook on her achievements is incredibly humbling and it is a credit to who Sophie is as a person. And I am really excited that you guys get to hear our chat today and hear more about who Sophie is, and who she is as a person. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to Not Another Runner podcast. Um, I'm so grateful to be able to introduce to you today's guest. She's an inspiring, humble, and courageous woman. Um, she's a wife and mother of two, an entrepreneur, and an ultramarathoner. I am so excited to introduce to you today, Sophie Power. Hello, Sophie, and welcome. Hello, Hello thank, thank you. you. 
so glad that you were able to take some time out today to be able to chat because I do appreciate you've got a really busy schedule between um, your training schedule with running, the two boys and then running business. You're just busy all the time, aren't you? So um, for those who don't know, could you just give us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do for a living, Sophie? Um, So I am, uh, I guess a runner first. Um, It's a running podcast. I'm a runner first. Um, no, I've got um, I've got two small boys, um, age one and four, um, and uh, for work, um, I had a big change about eight months ago. Um, I previously co-founded a technology company, um, and I left, and now I'm working with different social impact companies, um, from impact marathon series to post-quantum cryptography, um, as well as exploring how I can um, use kind of some of the um, the press I've had and and the the knowledge I've gained. Um, to start empowering other women through sport. So Impact Marathon, you just said, you're part of, I'm sure I saw this a little while back, you actually took took part in that this year, didn't you? I know, I've been trying to do it for ages. So um, Impact Marathon Series is an incredible um, organisation. They run um, social impact marathons um, across the world from um, kind of Guatemala to, to Nepal, Um, and lots of amazing countries and what happens is you go and for a week you work with some incredible um, kind of organizations on the ground making real social impact and then you run a most spectacular marathon um, at the end or a half or a 10k but the the marathon routes are amazing so I finally got out there it was difficult with the boys being so young um, to Guatemala early this year and this route around the volcano was It took me almost seven hours to do the marathon, which probably shows how hard the route was, Um, but just a spectacular um, week. And and it's amazing to to be able to combine my love of running with kind of my my businesswoman hat on that I can help support them as they grow. And they've already raised um, almost a million pounds for charity through the races. So um, it's a it's a wonderful project to be part of. Wow. Because we were talking earlier. and I was just wondering, how how was it that um, you started up your own business and you came into all of this? You know, how how is it that you became part of Impact Marathon and all these other social impact um, things that you're involved with? It's it's a really strange answer to this. Um, someone asked me this the other day, and it's ne- it never been a big part of my life until I got pregnant. Um, and suddenly it was a light bulb switched on my head that I wanted to do whatever I could to make the world better for my my kids. Um, And it was at that point that I co-founded Air Labs um, because I was based in London at the time and I read about how harmful the the air quality was for unborn babies and then into childhood. It's one of the reasons we just moved out out of London. Um, And so I co-founded a company to develop technology that cleans the diesel from from diesel fumes and gives clean air. but more than that, my, my big um, passion was on, on educating people about how to avoid clean air, how to avoid uh, polluted air, um, lobbying um, for, for more stringent regulations, um, designing our technology to give people um, kind of clean air in, in, in their cars and, and in their kind of train stations and their shops. So it was very much a, I really care about my, my children. And since then, um, I was lucky to be selected as part of the Unreasonable Entrepreneur Group, which combines a lot of different social impact companies. Um, we call them Unreasonable because we want to, to change the world for, 
for the better. Um, and since then, I've been taking on projects, um, working with things like Impact, working with a company called Post Quantum, who are all about people having the, um, the ownership of their own identity, um, to and now looking at the, the women's issues and kind of from my, my struggle of getting back to, to fitness after having a baby, um, from the, the experience that sports had in my life and how powerful that's been, um, helping um, on, the, on the return to running guidelines and helping promote those, um, talking about pelvic floor more openly than I thought I ever would, um, and all of that. So it's really been a, a quite a, a kind of shift in the last kind of six years, five, six years, but um, really that's how I evaluate every project I take on is what does this really mean now? How passionate am I about it? Um, I could probably have a, a, a really lucrative career um, in finance, um, but I wouldn't enjoy getting out of bed in the morning. Mm. Yeah, because that's something that you did years ago, wasn't it? You were originally in finance, and then was it before the boys that you started the the Air Labs, or was it just after? It Dunica? was when it was when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant with Danica, it, it was when I kind of left it I was um, CFO and, and managing director of a global marketing agency I previously um, been doing finance roles in private equity investment banking um, and realized fairly kind of I mean, hormones flood your body during pregnancy and and it was in the very early um, days that I realized that actually um, I wanted to do something more something that had a an external impact that that, that made the world better so um it was it was a bit of a, a 180 um mm. but I'm really happy to be on this path now and um doing what I can to to kind of champion the causes that I'm passionate about yeah yeah and that's what that's what I'm find so fascinating and just really excited being so excited to be able to talk to you about more about all of this um I normally ask our guests um, you know how it was they came into running but I'll come back to that because you you just said something about how um, you had this realization when you were pregnant and it was after that that all of this spiraled and you you know you were led on on like you said earlier the trajectory where you are now um, for, and you know for, for many who will be listening will be quite well aware um, of that viral photo a photo that went viral of you during ultra trail to Mont Blanc and that photo that Alexis Berg posted um, of you um, breastfeeding Cormac during that event when he was literally three months old. And I've, the, the question I want to get to is your story and how you approach the challenge of UTMB is, is to me so inspiring and certainly is to so many other women listening and anyone else listening. Um, and I, I know from looking into your story, Sophie, that, you know, you had a place to UTMB in 2014 and you couldn't defer it because you were pregnant at the time with your first. Um, and for you and for anyone trying to qualify for UTMB, it's, it's a big dream. It's one of the, well, probably the most difficult trail ultra marathons there is. And so to be able to participate in it is, I can only imagine the honour that you would feel to be able to do that. But what I wonder is, for you and for anyone else listening, like women, it, it's such a, you know, choosing or when you and, and, and your significant other choose to have a family, choose to have a baby or a second baby, it's such a big decision. And there's so many factors to be considered. Um, considered. 
you know, things like health, well-being, finances, you know, your, your home, jobs, careers, you self-employed, um, an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. So for you and for your decision then with regards to taking on UTMB what was that thought process initially could you just tell us a little bit more about that because I think I think you've you've got so much to say on this on this topic that a lot of people would really really appreciate your your insight I think I mean in terms of having the place in 2014 um yes I mean um Donica had taken it took us about 10 months to get pregnant with Donica um and I, I was I went in the ballot and tried to imagine life was going on as normal because that's the only real way to be kind of you can't just keep putting your life on hold so I was lucky to get the place um and then I just assumed I could defer it I mean it's pregnancy right yeah. um and you can for injury um and they said no um because pregnancy is a choice that a woman makes um, to be pregnant and they obviously hadn't realized that you can't kind of press a button become pregnant and do it in the off season that that doesn't actually work um, and I'm not sure and, and, and it made me really upset that the race director is female um, that especially kind of um, hurt me in terms of how they value women on start line which is less than 10% of, of people and that the guys would like more women in the race to be honest I mean it's nice to look at a woman in front of you than a, than a man if you're most men um vice versa it's great great having um men in the race um but it didn't it, they, they wouldn't do it and um for me it was a case of you miss out I missed out but what happens is um and then I think it's changed now but if you went in the the, the ballot for two years and you didn't get selected you had an automatic place so that's what happened to me um um, I didn't apply in 2015. I applied for a different race because I didn't have the points from not running so much um, with having Danica. Um, and then I so I had this automatic place. So I knew before I was pregnant that I had this, I would have the race place for in kind of 18 months time. You find out in the January. I didn't get in. I knew I'd have it the next August. Mm. So this is January uh, 2017. Um, and we at that point were trying for a baby. Um, so I'd done Spartathlon September 2016. Then we said, okay, we want to um, have another child now. Um, and it took a lot longer than we thought. So at the, at the start, I was like, okay, I've got this place. Great, I'll have a nine-month-old. You know, that'd be absolutely fine. Ten-month-old, absolutely fine. Should be back to not mm. normal, but be easy to get around the course. But the longer it took to get pregnant, um, I kind of didn't really think about it. Um, and then suddenly kind of um, super excited we're pregnant um, and then someone said to me something about UTMB and I was like he'll be three months old I was like ah but that's not gonna happen mm -hmm. um, but it's not a case of that's not gonna happen I think it was a um, for me it was a great focus in saying okay it's probably not gonna happen However, maybe I can run 10K at three months. Um, and I'd had real problems getting back after my first pregnancy with my pelvic floor. Um, um, really couldn't run for, I didn't take a running step for three months. Um, um, I hadn't had proper treatment. I hadn't had proper rehabilitation. Most women don't get any form of rehabilitation, which is shocking. Uh, and so I thought, okay, 
um, I'll use this as a way to stay really fit during pregnancy, to train for the race during pregnancy, which is a good race to train for because it's um, kind of the aerobic fitness I could um, replicate on a stair mill, which is no impact on walking up a treadmill, on training my upper body. So pull-ups, um, kind of um, parallel bar dips, uh, lots of weights. So that was a great focus. Um, and then after I'm doing my pelvic floor exercises and my, my, my Pilates, and then when I had the baby, it's like, okay, let's see how, how far I could get being really gentle, my body, never doing anything that didn't feel right, but maybe I could make the start line. And we booked a family holiday for that week anyway. I love Chamonix. Um, I wanted to take um, Donica because we'd taken him um, in 2015 to see the end of the race. And um, we wanted to hike with the boys. So we thought, we'll just go. Um, and that was the thought process. It was, this will keep me motivated during pregnancy. This will give me the reason I need when I'm tired or everything else gets in the way with work to get out and train. Um, that was the focus I needed. Um, and it's how I am kind of all the time. I think I need a goal there to almost authorize me to take that time out that I do need to take and I should be taking anyway um, for me and for my fitness. Um, I guess my, my mental health as well as my physical health. Um, and that's what it was. So it was, it was, I never thought I'd get around the race. It was only while I was already in Chamonix and we did a recce up one of the climbs and I ran down without any pain thinking, the, I'm probably going to get around this route now. I, I, I know, I think my body will handle it. Um, but that wasn't, it wasn't about finishing UTMB. Um, it was about a journey and a goal and a way to keep myself um, healthy. Um, and it just happened to be a great um, point in the diary that just focused me on that um, and, and kept things going the way they should do. Mm. And that's why I just love your, you know, your whole story, um, because it was it was like you said it was more than that it wasn't about finishing it was you know it was your reason to stay fit stay healthy and active during your pregnancy to ensure that you had both physical and um mental health you know so that you were well um because i think i've heard as well um and i'm a female runner but i hear other people saying oh you know like we, like I said before asking you the question, it's such a, a, a big choice or a big decision to make and weighing up your factors that sometimes goals may be put on hold or, you know, you th- women and females, you know, thinking of um, starting a family or adding, um, having another baby, um, it can be such a, a big decision to make when, when there's so many things to weigh up. And, and I just love that you had the resilience and the strength in you just to to continue um continue training continue your fitness and looking after yourself and then to hear you know that you went on and you did this is just incredible really because it to me it gives it gives faith to me and to other women that you know you 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 can have your family you can start a family you can look after yourself and you can achieve so much more than what perhaps you may have once thought I, th- I think I think that's the case, and and I remember kind of um, when the picture was taken, and when um, Strava called me up because he was working with Strava and, and Runners World at the time, 
and said, we've got this beautiful photo of you. And we think it's so much more than a running photo um, in terms of what we think it will do for women. Can we share it? Um, and it was, I guess it goes back to this whole kind of social impact side of, of what I believe in um, is we're quite a private family. I didn't have an Instagram account before. Um, or I'd never posted an Instagram. Um, I'd had to like set one up to get some balloons for my kid's birthday because some lady would only message your Instagram. It's like, what is this thing? Um, but it really is kind of sharing the story of kind of the, the, the inspiration of it. But I think the big thing to say is you can do all of this, but to do all of this, you have to ask for help and yeah. you have to engineer the right support system around you. Um, and I would say, if you zoom out of that picture, um, my husband's next to me and he's trying to feed me an avocado sandwich and I'm having none of it really. Um, and my mate Matt is changing my head torch batteries. Um, outside, um, we had a nanny um, for the first few months because I went back to work when uh, Cormac was 10 days old um, from home. Um, we had two big launches and I had to do them. Um, so I had a nanny. Um, so she was outside um, with Danica playing. Um, and you see this whole kind of support network. I have a cleaner, um, for example. Um, my mum is always rearranging my cupboards for me because they get completely out of out of order. Um, mm -hmm. It's all of this around that you need to put in place. And, and I think it's quite hard to, we, we as women, um, as I, I say as women, I think as men, because you both decide to have babies and you're both your lives change. Um, men's lives don't seem to change as much as the women's because we take on the additional responsibilities. What I'm saying is that actually you should sit down as a couple and say, how do we make our lives easier so we have the time for for our family, we have the time for our careers, if we want careers, um, and we have the time for our own interests, which for me, when I come back from running, I'm a better mother. I'm a better person because I have time for myself. Um, and I don't think we, it's often said, it's, oh, it's selfish going for a run, it's selfish having time away from the children, it's selfish um, having forms of childcare. Um, my kids are really happy because it's the right thing for them. It's the right thing for me. Um, it's the right thing as, as a family. Um, and you take your own kind of temperature of your family and, and make sure that what you're doing works for them. Yeah. And that's what I, I love all of what you've just said, because I can relate to that so much that the last bit you, um, you said, that when you go for a run, you know, you're a better person for it. And, you know, you said, you, you said about a couple would sit down to talk on how, how they're going to make this work. Um, and I just, I just love that. And it just, it just can give faith to so many others that, you know, you can still um, work hard and achieve a goal and, um, and, and that you don't need to be afraid. But like you said, it is important to have that, that network around you um, and to call a, call upon support. Um, and, you know, I, I'm very well aware that you, you do attribute a lot of your, um, your great achievements to those that surround you closely because you, you've said before many a time that, you know, this is possible because you've got this great team and support network. And I love that. I think, I think, it's, I think it's also being quite ruthless about what you really want to do. And I think that's the great thing with having a, a tough goal um, in, in, in your diary or something you want to achieve 
is that you have to be ruthless. Um, I think I wrote out my kind of my weekly schedule um, before UTMB, and it was it was it was hard um, between breastfeeding. He was exclusively breastfed at the time until a few days before we had to, as part of our risk measures um, on my plan, try formula um, in case my milk dried up, or which would have meant I I wouldn't have even if he wouldn't have taken it, I wouldn't have run the race. Um, so there was breastfeeding around the clock. There was um, running to and from work, doing different routes through my training schedules, um, doing the work, doing everything else. Um, it's hard. I mean, we've only just got Netflix um, and I don't watch it. I don't watch TV. I, I, there's rarely, rarely time I would have for TV. I asked my friend, I was like, I've got no time to work out. I'm like, how much TV did you watch last week? Oh, there you go. That's that's kind of that's kind of definitely a marathon training schedule. So it's it's about being selective. And um, my friends are very important to me. My social life is very important to me. Um, and having kind of quality interactions with my girlfriends, um, that has to go in the diary too. So it's about anything that's not value added has to get taken out, which sounds really extreme, um, but it's what has to happen really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because you cut training for these ultra marathons, especially, you know, whilst you were still breastfeeding and you were still running your business. I mean, Cormac was 10 days old when you were back in work. And like you said, you know, it wouldn't have been possible if you didn't have everyone around you. But you were ruthless and you don't watch TV in order for you to be able to achieve all of this um, to make it possible. Um, so leading up to UTMB, what you, you said that the schedule was um, was crazy. Um, what what did it look like prior to the event? Because you you did a lot of strength training during that pregnancy in order to be strong for the event, so that you could at least get to the start line. And I know initially you were you were just going to see how you were able to to be to be there, see where you could get to. And I think you were were you planning on getting to the halfway mark? I think when I came into Chamonix, I thought I would get to the halfway mark. Um, and that was the goal. Um, but we had the plans in place for me to continue and for my husband to follow me around the rest of the course, um, uh, meeting me as he could. Um, but it was only when I got to, um, Chamonix and I did a good recce and you can't do a big downhill run, um, in, in, in near where I lived. I and mean, I was going out to, I was in central London, I was getting the train to Box Hill and doing three out sessions on Box Hill just basically reps up and down Box Hill for three hours. It's really fun um, just to try and kind of um, condition my body. Um, but I had to run it really, really differently anyway. Um, so what I didn't know was how things were going to heal. Um, I didn't take a running step for about six weeks after. I couldn't do. Um, and then um, kind of my pelvis still in the race wasn't back together. So it was a case of fast hiking up. But I was really fit from... Um, kind of keeping going during pregnancy and obviously when you're on a stem mill in pregnancy and you've got this massive extra weight attached to you when you take it off it's fantastic um you're flying up the hill um so all of that um and then just making sure little things like kind of um my ligaments were really um loose from the relaxing from breastfeeding so I had to be super careful uh, keeping my arms strong so up the hills I was kind of putting all my weight in my poles um and then I just couldn't run down the hills because I couldn't risk um, the the impact 
Um, I only ran off one of the coals uh, during the race properly because I was, it was very cold and I knew that I had symptoms of hypothermia um, and I needed to get down. Um, that was the only time I properly pouted down a hill like I normally would. Um, so it was all about, can my body hold up? Can I keep enough food and drink down so I can have enough um, milk um, mm. to, to feed Cormac um, and feed myself? I mean, it's, it's hard enough in an archer feeding yourself. Um, it's quite hard having to feed another person at the same time um, and hydrate. So it was all of these things going to going through my head, um, all of these risk factors saying, if I think I'm doing any permanent damage, if I'm risking um, how I'll be at the end with Cormac, then I just call it off. It's not about finishing the race, kind of the, I've achieved what I wanted to by getting to the start line in good shape and ready to kind of continue training. Mm. Yeah. How how did you feel when you when you finished? Um, I it, it's hard. It's, it's I, I I always get teary when I think about it. Yeah. It became so during that week. My son Danica um, was he was three at the time, and um, they have kids races. So from three years old, they can do a race, and he had a four hundred meter race. And he went round and they get like goodies at the end. And it was, it was so exciting for him. And then you have the, the whole center of town, you have these other races finishing. Um, and he was seeing um, other kind of runners cross the line with their kids. And he's like, mommy, that's going to be me. That's going to be us. We're going to run down. I'm going to run down here with you. Um, he completely got the whole point in the race. Um, and I was kind of like, what? Well, I don't have really an excuse unless I really am on really, really struggling in this race. I can't DNF. I can't let my three-year-old down. How am I going to explain this to a three-year-old that no mummy got a bit tired or it hurt a bit much? He really isn't going to get that. Um, so I think in the low points in the race, when I was really tired, I was hallucinating. It was all about how is that going to feel um, to have inspired my son um, to see his face kind of light up as he runs kind of down with his kind of um, little kind of turny roundy thing and, and cheering. So it, a photographer got an amazing picture of it, me looking down at him. And that was kind of my pitch in my head um, for a good part of the race as how he's going to feel at the end and how that's going to make him inspired kind of to, to achieve whatever he wants to achieve. That's amazing. I love that. I've seen that photo and it is those photos of you with both the boys at the end. Just incredible. Um, so if we just back up a little bit as to how how you started running in the first place, because it was um, was it 2009 you started running? Um, let me look. Yeah, it was. It would have been um, the around the July time. I can work, I can work this back because I signed up for. Marathon Desab, Marathon Desab. Yeah. in 2010, um, never having run more than a mile, because <laughs> I thought that was a good idea. Um, I'm not a normal runner. Um, I think, in, I, I, I love, I love, everyone has a kind of crazy marathon story, but I was not a runner um, by any means. Um, I was second last in the mile at school. Um, I was quite overweight. I was, I labelled myself as not a runner. Um, even at university where I started to play rugby and football, I'd labelled myself as not a runner and in the gym I'd be on the cross trainer because I was not a runner. Um, but I signed up for Marathon as a start because um, I would, I'd be made redundant from a job in finance 
um, once I got married, because I was told I had babies, because that's what women do when they get married and find that they go and have babies. Um, and um, that had made me a bit, um, a bit lost in the world. Um, and I about to start a new job, but I still kind of was a bit lost. Um, and I'd been kickboxing and I'd spent time in Thailand kind of bashing people's heads and trying to get out my anger. Um, and my friend had just run the marathon sub and he said, you know, this will be really good for you and you're really mentally strong. You can hike. I'd done some long distance hiking when I was training the Air Force when I was a student. Um, and these kind of um, nine mega marches, which are about a marathon a day for four days. He's like, you can walk really well. Everyone walks this race. He's like, it's called the toughest race on earth. It's not. Everyone walks it. Um, but most people finish. I thought, okay. Um, so I blindly called a charity. There were no places. I blindly called a charity up, had places, um, said I'd raise money for them and signed up without actually really thinking what it was. Um, I do have this kind of mantra that's just just say yes. If something sounds crazy, um, just say yes, because you never know what will happen. Um, and yeah, it, it, it started like a, a, a decade of running, really. Um, but I, tra- I, st- I went for a run the next day and I did 10K. I was quite fit from kickboxing. Um, I thought, that's OK. Um, and then I built up. And then in November, my first race was the Ridgeway, um, about 90 miles in three days. Um, started meeting other MDS people, uh, did a few more races and then ended up doing pretty well in MDS and thinking, huh, I'm quite good at this. Um, I really like it as well. And I really like the people. And I really like the being in nature. And, and maybe I'll do a little bit more. That's incredible that you've just, just signed up to Marathon de Salle, one of the you know, one of the hardest races there is, and literally hadn't even run a mile before it. Did you did you realise the distance before you ran that charity that it's you know 156 miles? I kind of knew it was seven days, six or seven days, um, and it would be a long hike every day. And there was an extra long hike in the middle, he'd said. Um, but I think I think when one of your friends says you can do this, um, you sometimes have blind trust in them. Um, and I was like, you know, thousands of people do this race. And I looked at the pictures and some of them didn't look like they were, they didn't look like athletes. They looked like normal people apart mm. from the front runners. Um, and it is a hard race. But it's got a 95% plus finish rate um, because you have to go three kilometers an hour. Um, that's it. The camels go three kilometers an hour. Um, well, I walk at six. Um, so I was like, I just have to walk this. Um, so I didn't, but I, I loved hiking as a kid. Uh, my grandmother's from the Lake District. and I spent a lot of time in the hills. Um, and I just thought, if all these people can do it, well, why can't I? Um, and that was kind of the... I had the sense that I could, it would just be the, the realization how hot it was going to be thinking, I do not want to be out all day in sunshine in 47 degree heat. The mm-hmm. quicker I run this, the less time I'm going to have to be in the sunshine. Um, and that was behind my kind of let's go running. Yeah. Because after you'd done that, the marathon to sub, had you, were you like, did you come home and you were like, right, okay, what's next? What's the next big challenge? Um, not massively. I think, um, I'd realized from the events leading up that I really liked 
the atmosphere of ultras. I think I've been coming out of a kind of career in finance and even kind of a, a lifestyle in London where the first question anyone asks you is what you do for a living. Um, and I hate that. I like to under, really understand people. Mm. Um, and, and what people are is not what they do for a living. It's, it's who they are as a person. And, and it, then it was kind of what university did you go to? And that's the last question anyone asks you on an ultra. No one knows how much money you have, what you do. I mean, but you get to know people in this much deeper way. Even if, if you're running with them for a few hours at night, um, you'll know stuff about them their partner probably doesn't know. Mm. Um, and so I loved that about ultras. And I thought I definitely want to do some more. Um, I didn't know what that was. And I started looking to other races um, and doing some of the kind of 50 mile races and on to the 100 mile races. Um, but I loved the, and we didn't have kids at the time, so it was easy, the stage races where you go away to a country and really explore that um, for seven days. And that's what I ended up doing over the next few years and dragging my husband along. Um, I signed him up to um, a stage race in Nepal without asking him because <laughs> um, he, he might have said no, um, but he loved it. So um, I dragged, yeah, I dragged him to Nepal and then we went to Iceland as well together to do fire and ice. And um, it was really wonderful to share some of it with him because he's a brilliant, he's really, he's an amazing endurance athlete. He's so strong. Um, so it was, it's nice to do things as a, as a couple sometimes too. Yeah. Because did you both do, you, did you do that all together, the, the Nepal? Because that's an ulti, um, a multi-stage ultramarathon, isn't it? It is. So we weren't planning to. Um, I was a stronger runner than he was by then. He was doing more cycling. Um, but the night before the race, I got food poisoning. Um, and he basically hauled me around the course. Um, mm. And so you got unlimited rash, food rations because you carry everything with you. Um, and um, I'm the planner and the logistics person. So I packed everything of his, everything of mine, weighed everything, cut everything down to the nearest gram. And he had kind of his treats every day with these wine gums. Um, but they were the only thing I could really keep down. And so kind of in a true show of love, he gave me his wine gums. Um, and it, it's, it's still one of the most romantic gestures he's ever made um, because it, you know, he's giving up kind of, he needed more calories, um, mm. but he had to take my awful chicken tikka um, and, and I got the wine gums. So I'm still very grateful. So he hauled me around Nepal, um, Iceland, um, mostly together. Um, but then I was getting, I'm really prone to hypothermia and there was a snowstorm and um, I needed to run on to keep warm uh, mm. a few of the times. Um, but no, we really enjoyed it. Um, that was filmed for a, a documentary called Boundless. There were some uh, Canadian athletes, um, Simon and Turbo, that they were following. We happened to be in the same race. So there's some great footage of kind of me just shivering with hypothermia, kind of telling him I'm going to run on and um, just being cold and crying because I'm cold. Um, but um, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was fun to do them kind of together. I think if we did multi-days in, in the future, um, probably we'd run apart because if they're in the mountains we can we're really badly matched trail running partners um we just did our 10-year wedding anniversary trip to the dolomites for a few days of hiking and he's so quick on the ups he's got these massive quads that just storm up and he blow himself up going up a hill um like a lot of men do um but then i'll kill him on the down because i can run downhill and he's prone to breaking things so we can't really run together anyway uh, we like to but we can't really run together
because you said he's he's a really good endurance athlete as well and I'm sure I've read um before somewhere that he's well that you both did the Ironman didn't you yeah so he he was doing all these triathlons while I was doing the ultra running so I was doing kind of 100 mile races um and he was focused on triathlon and kind of the half Ironman um and this is what I signed up for stuff without really thinking it through um we were in we were on holiday in, in like Nicaragua or something and um, he was talking about how I'd need to understand, no, no children yet. He was talking about how I'd need to understand his training schedule over the next kind of nine months because he was signing up for Ironman Switzerland mm. and, you know, he'd have to train three events. And so, you know, he was going to get really fit for it. So we'd have to look at our social life and we'd probably be drinking less wine in the evenings. And he went to the bathroom. By the time he come back, I'd signed up as well. Um, then he reminded me that I could only swim one length of front crawl without just being completely out of breath. He's like, it's a 3.6 kilometer swim and you can't swim. Um, so I had nine months to learn to swim um, and get around an Ironman course. Um, so I did it with him. Um, nine months to, to, because were you cycling at the time before that? No. <gasps> um, I didn't, I did spin class. I quite like spin class. Um, but no, I can cycle. I mean, he bought me a bike. Um, a year before but I'd never actually been on it um, so um, or I, no I think I took it to three weeks after Marathon Saab he and his mates were cycling the west coast of Ireland so I came along but mm. half the times I jumped in the van because <laughs> it was just brutal weather I was trying to actually have to push to go downhill with this mm. rain blasting towards me and I decided it wasn't fun um, so no I wasn't a cyclist um, at all um, so I had to work on that as well. So nine months you're literally prior to that swimming one length cycled a little bit but you need to get yourself tip top ready to swim I'm sure Ironman's 2.4 mile swim 112 bike and then a marathon isn't it yes wow how did you find that when you when you actually did do the Ironman I had a great day because I had zero pressure on Mm. anything I think this is where a lot of I think there's a lot of where um especially women become alienated with triathlon and even marathon running and switch the ultra world is it's so people just talk about times all the time mm. and it's like what's your split what's this split what's it it's I'm like I forget people forget this is kind of a hobby this is mm-hmm. supposed to be fun this is for me it's my release and the focus on like different minutes here and there and, and everyone wanting to do the flattest course so they can uh, brag about their their pb I just don't get it um I love the fact that I run an ultra and I've run the same race in better shape than a year before, but I get a worse time because the course is muddy or it's hot or um, something happens to my stomach. Uh, You can't compare, um, Mm. which is what I love about it. Um, And um, I I think I just, I got total immersion swimming lessons, which were amazing. It was like a weekend of learn to swim from scratch. Um, And by the end of it, I could swim I got my breathing under control and I could at least just go up and down slowly. Um, and then I worked on that, um, just got in the pool um, kind of twice a week. Um, lucky we had a 25 meter pool, 20 meter pool uh, around the corner from us um, in our gym. And I just kept going and I wasn't going to be fast, but I was going to survive. Um, started going out longer cycles. Um, we worked out, even if I tucked behind my husband and I draft, I still can't keep up with him, um, but he was gracious and let me tag on a few rides. Um, 
we had a turbo trainer but didn't like that um but i knew that i'd be almost the only person looking forward to the marathon at the end Mm. um yeah so and that was really fun I liked the marathon and it was it was stunning I mean it was Switzerland and the route went um as a lake swim then the route went flat around the lake and then up into the mountains and these beautiful kind of tree-lined roads and it was it was awesome um it was just such a great day um but I enjoyed it but I I I I hated the training Mm. and it took so much out of me and I think um I'd love to do another Ironman. I think we spend a lot of time in Lanzarote. Um, um, John's parents have a, a little house there. And we also go to La Santa um, mm. kind of um, a couple of times a year. So I'd love to do the Ironman there, but it will be purely for fun. Mm. Um, and also because I want to learn to sea swim a bit better and have confidence in the sea. So uh, I'll do it for that. But um, I understand why some people get obsessed with triathlon, but I think... Um, running is just not to be obsessed about in the same way I wouldn't I'm I'm not one of the people that kind of worries about who else is on the start line or gets upset about their placing I think it's all about me versus me and and I just ignore everyone else I love that approach though because in a way you've got less pressure like um you're just that you are there to enjoy and, and like you just said me against me it's it's turning up and doing as best you can but also enjoying enjoying it as well which is you know the crux of why why we do this like you said it's a hobby which I think, I think so. is great it is and there's so much pressure in the rest of my life why on earth would I put massive amounts of extra in this I'm doing I do put pressure on myself to to make sure I commit to my my training schedule and to make sure I'm I'm trying as hard as I can but in terms of performance on the day um you can only control what you control and and you can try really hard but if you've got a niggle or um the food's not working for you or something else happens or I did a practice um uh, triathlon and my chain broke I was like well I can't control for that really um so I was like well that's fine so I got my bike in the van, took back to the um, the run. I did the double run loop. Had a much better day out than I would have done having to do the whole cycle. Um, but you've just got to enjoy it. And I think kind of I see friends that go away for marathons and they paid a lot of money to go to Paris or to go to kind of Berlin or to go to New York or Tokyo. And they're only happy if they run a PB. Mm. And in some of the conditions they've been in, that would never be possible. It would, it would have been too hot or um, the course is too hilly. And then they feel it's a wasted trip because they haven't got a PB. But they've just done a marathon, which is amazing, in an incredible country and had this incredible experience. And they're focused on this one kind of this few numbers that they're using to define their experience. And for me, it's like, let's take ourselves out of that. Most people can't run a marathon. It's amazing you're even doing it. But also it's more about it's more than about just your time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love that. You just recently um, did another incredible event um, and it was the Summer Spine, the Spine Fusion, if I'm right in saying that. Now, I'm pretty sure when I tried looking this up, um, it said it was a 270 mile event. Is that right? Yes. Because <gasps> I remember you training towards this. What For this 270 mile and I'm pretty sure it was straight through, wasn't it, Sophie? Yes. Oh, my goodness. How on earth did you train 
for this event and how did it go? Um, so training, so the spine is the whole length of the Pennine Way um, and from kind of Edale to um, um, basically Scottish borders. Um, and I wanted to take it on because I think after UTMB, I'd had some downtime, I had a back injury. Uh, weirdly, two weeks after UTMB, I'd lifted Cormac funny while breastfeeding in bed. I did a whole like side switch, like a medicine ball, but it'd gone wrong. Um, and my back had seized up for about six weeks. Um, and then I struggled with some hip stuff. And um, I was just like, right, I need something to focus on. Um, so I think it's a really different challenge, but also that takes me away for a while. And I'd done it when Donica was... 10 months I'd gone and done Grand to Grand which is a stage race in Utah um, because I needed to go away um, I think being a mother a new mother is all consuming and I just needed a complete head break um, but I'd been away for Grand to Grand for kind of 10 days and and that was going to be a bit too much um, for the boys this time so I thought what can I do that's a massive mental break but also a massive physical challenge and gets me in in nature um and I was like easy spine um so I like the additional challenges of yourself navigating um you only have in 270 odd miles you only have uh five major checkpoints to get new gear um you can buy from shops but uh there was only one that was open on the whole route when I went past um you can take from strangers um, so there were there were two kind of farms that gave me tea and cake, which I massively appreciated at that time. Um, it's just completely different challenge. It's not supported. You've got to decide when to sleep. Um, if you're going to sleep outside the checkpoints, um, your feet are. Um, if I'd known my feet would be like, I probably wouldn't have done the race. Um, it's basically trench foot because you're in bogs for kind of however long it takes. Um, it's just such a different challenge. So for me, it was, so I have a run. So since um, UTM, uh, before UTMB, when I, um, when I was six weeks postpartum, I contacted an amazing running coach called Edwina Sutton, who is an incredible ultramarathon herself, also has three kids. So knows exactly what my life is like. Um, and she trained me for you. She was the one that did my training plan for UTMB um, for the last kind of two months and got me around the race. And so I said to her, let's do spine. And it was a lot of, now I've moved to um, Guildford outside London. I live on the North Downs. So a lot of long trail runs uh, with pack because you're carrying quite a lot of weight because you're carrying all your stuff between checkpoints. Um, and I'm incredibly safety conscious. So um, I was very lucky that I was sponsored by Arcteryx who gave me some incredible um, wet weather gear and warm gear um, to ward off my hypothermia that always seems to hit um, in these kind of races. Um, and I was bone dry. They were they were just brilliant. Um, so it was a lot of, I kept the strength training up partially, but it was a lot of long, slow runs, um, treadmill runs on, on an incline, um, hiking up hills. I knew that past the first in a couple of days, I'd be doing a lot of walking and the hiking and the terrain was very uneven, so I ran a lot uneven ground to strengthen my ankles up um, and night running with my head torch into the forests. Um, yeah, there were, there were weeks where my training schedule said um, Monday four-hour run, Tuesday four-hour run, three, th- um, Wednesday four-hour run. I said, oh, God, how am I going to? So I ended up working really late in the evenings to fit that in. But 
it was um training wasn't that crazy I think a lot of people think ultra marathon training means you have to train more than you do for a marathon um and apart from a few weeks for spine I've only ever gone up to kind of 35 miles 40 miles a week in training um often less um, it can be done if you have the right quality training um and and you do some strength work around so um longer doesn't necessarily mean you have to take more of your life to do it um you do if you want to win the race if you want to be a pro um but actually the, the the mortals amongst us can can get round really well on on a lot less did you did you do that event alone i know you said that um edwina she did your your plan but did you race it together then no no no, no. she um she, she did, did she did my training so mm-hmm. she gives me my training schedule um um, every week and we discuss it and um discuss lots of parts in the race so um uh, ultra running is a small world so obviously jazz paris had won the race in january um so i reached out to her um damien hall is um mm-hmm. came fifth in utmb um the year that, that i'd done it and so i reached out to him because he'd done the spine three times um albeit in the winter but for advice so we reached out to lots of people for advice um mm-hmm. But no, it was it's a small race, so I think about um, um, there's a, there's a shorter race that's only 106 miles uh, that starts at the same time, so more people around in the first kind of day or so. Um, but I think in terms of the long one, it maybe was about 45 people start, um, and you can imagine the field gets spread out quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came seventh in the end, um, and by the time I finished, I hadn't seen anyone for. Um, apart from the crew for um, kind of a day um, so I ran with an amazing um, Estonian guy um, for the first couple of nights um, because I knew there was some really tricky um, terrain including scrambling up um, a waterfall by the side of a waterfall that I was really nervous about um, and then some difficult navigation overnight um, but then I was on my own for the last kind of couple of days which I really enjoyed um the last I, I I was pacing the entire race to finish at a certain time which sounds a bit crazy for that distance but um I wanted to finish on the morning um I wanted to finish within less than five days and there were seven days you had to do the race because I wanted to be back for nursery pickup that night and that was my focus it was like if I do it in less than five days if I'm back by starts at eight in the morning if I'm back by kind of seven in the morning I can get the kind of 10 o'clock train um, uh, from from Edo and then I can be back um, for um, um, from Scotland. I can be back for pickup. Um, I couldn't actually walk to get back from pickup, but I was kind of there when they got home. Um, and I was in the last night, I went into the Cheviots at um, sunset and just spent the night on my own in these beautiful mountains where I could see the stars and it was a clear night. Um, and then kind of was still up in them at sunrise and, and then came down to finish. So um, it was it was pretty incredible being in the most amazing scenery on my own. It's um, um, just I'm so lucky that I had the opportunity to do that because I don't think most people ever get that. Mm. And you said there's there's literally five stops along the way. I can't get over that. 
so you've got to pack everything with you again like some of these other ultra stage or ultra marathons what were, what were the logistics what you know how how were you able to carry everything that you needed um a quite big pack um so the first two days were ridiculously hot um and um there are a lot of people coming in actually with hyponatremia um into the first major checkpoint um so i am really safety conscious i carried uh three liters of water a lot of times loads of food all my emergency gear um warm clothing um i didn't take a sleeping bag with me um it was warm enough at night um i only slept out once um and that was kind of 15 minutes on a cold stone path at 2 30 the last night i was just wrecked i just needed a power nap but i slept at the actual checkpoint so whatever time of day i got into the big checkpoint i spent a lot of time eating um bit of rest so that food could go down um and then kind of eating again um and then going so i had i think 11 hours of total sleep in the five nights um but i was at the checkpoints for longer just eating um but you carry um i had an 18 liter backpack and i didn't need quite all of it all the time um but you knew on the route where you might be able to get water um where kind of there was a friendly farm that was always open um to spiners um where there would be a, a shop and you could work out if you'd be passing that at the time um they got you it's an incredibly well organized race um if you needed they met you when you weren't expecting kind of there was a pub um that kind of we were on this awful long bog and it came out the mist and they had water there um and actually bought me a cup of tea in the pub which was just possibly the best cup of tea i've had in my life um, and I, yeah, I sat there and ate half a tub of Pringles and had this cup of tea. Um, so they really looked after the racers. And if we needed more water, you could have just called the race organizers and say, can you meet me at the next road crossing, which they're, f- they're far between. But you can, you can mm-hmm. um, do it. There was also this other um, running race on um, that we passed through that um, I managed to steal some food and water off mm-hmm. as well. I was like can I just get some, like, they had some really good looking, like, gummy things. I was like, can I just steal some? Um, but we, it's completely the race rules. You're not allowed to have anyone you know meet you, but anything that you don't know or shops or people you don't know, fair game, complete fair game. Um, so it's a great different challenge, but you do have to carry a lot and you do have to kind of pass a, a kind of questionnaire or kind of interview process mm. because it would be very dangerous to be out on those fells if you can't navigate with map and compass um, if your GPS fails, if you can't look after yourself, if you don't know what hyperthermia is, hypernutremia is, um, you are taking risks if you don't know how to look after yourself. Yeah, that's something that I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do navigating myself. I'd find that so I find that more stressful than the thought of the running. <laughs> that's that's like that race for you. We what was the reason you wanted to enter it? Like, where was it that you'd heard about it? I think it's quite iconic um Mm. um and I think it was I was looking for a distance race that I think multi-stage events are nice but I like to be going for longer and I don't want to be hanging around the tents at night um and Jasmine had actually reached out to me after UTMB um um to to say kind of well done she's she's amazing and she said she was doing spine I tracked her during spine obviously she ends up winning and um while kind of kind of and, and saw Rowan at the end and um, her baby and I can look to the journey and go I can never do the winter event 
because I have um, bad circulation and, and I will be a risk to myself and to the, the support team. Um, but I was looking and, and I wanted to do something that was kind of tough and, and really understand the sleep deprivation part because I'd done well on that new TMB. I'd had 20 minute power nap on the second night um, and I finished really strongly. Um, but I didn't want to leave the UK. Um, I thought, what can I do here? So, um, and I'd never gone the Pennine Way. So I'd spent a lot of time in the lakes, but um, it was so beautiful. And, and I thought, I'm never going to have the chance to walk this for, for years to come. I could just run it all at once. Um, so I was looking at that. I was looking at things like Tour de Géant um, in Italy, which I would still love to do. But I wasn't, that's quite um, uh, more technical terrain and more exposed up the mountain. I thought, let me do spine first, and then I can take on Tour de Géant in the future and I'll just I'm still understanding what I love mm. what I'm good at where I have difficulties and then deciding kind of what my next challenges are where I want to challenge myself to get better at something or to test that or where I just want to do something I purely love um what the do I want to test kind of mentor do I want to have a new experience that's how I I select things um which is a fun way to do it mm. yeah I like that and I know that you've said um, before that you think it's really important to have have something um, like in your life that is part of your identity. Um, and I can I can just see that from the way you talk and l- what you've just said now about selecting that adventure and what's what's next. What what why do you think the importance is that we we need something as part of our own identity? And why do you think it's important for you? I think, I mean, there might be some people that, I mean, everyone's different. I think, especially with, um, so my career had been kind of really stressed at that point and quite kind of, and this gave me kind of a release. And I think the endorphins from exercise has been a big thing um, for me. Um, I also really love kind of wine and chocolate and I can eat more when I run. um, And that also makes me very happy. Um, But I think it's, I think there's one thing is just having kind of hobbies that are something that's not work because you can work for so long and realize you haven't taken a, a break and um, it's unhealthy to have work as your everything. And, and that's coming from when I was investment banking and I went, um, my day, my average day was kind of nine till beyond 11 um, in the office. And all I did was work and sleep and there was a four month period where I was in the office every single day, including weekends and hadn't seen friends or family and that's unhealthy. So I think kind of having something that's different, I learn about the rest of my life through running. I bring a lot of my running into um, kind of work and, and how I tackle problems elsewhere and how I get through difficult things. So I think that's one thing, but I think especially when you become a mother um, and your identity can often change to being I'm just a mother now I'm not just a mother it's that's the wrong way to put it it's it's very much kind of your identity is mother and for the father he's a father but he's also everything he was before and I think for women take on it's all consuming um and there's a kind of societal pressure to do that that everything you should do should be about being a mother um and and we have kind of mother meetups and we're all stressed about it and we just need some time um 
some time for us, some, some downtime, because if you stay at home or you're on your maternity leave um, and you're kind of, your partner goes out to work, kind of, they go out to work, they finish, they come home at seven o'clock at night, they're on downtime, but you're still on mum uptime. You don't get that break. So by having this something else, you're saying, okay, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to take some downtime. Um, and it doesn't have to be running or crazy challenges. Um, for a lot of the women that contact me, it's, it's they, they love to paint um, or they love to do music or they just love to read. Um, it's just something that is there for them. For me, it's important to have a challenge um, and a goal. Um, that's not the same for everyone else. But I do think that for most people, it's good to have something that's just for them um, or kind of just for them kind of um, shared with friends that that takes them out of being um, kind of uh, the, the work that they do and, and their family life. I love that. I think that is just amazing. Love it. You said how you learn a lot about yourself through running. I love that because I've said that before and a few people have like looked at me a little bit like really like um the the intro to this podcast is that I learn something new every time I go for a run whether that be about myself about life or about nature or just something and I know my stepfather questioned me before about it he's like so what did you learn today because <laughs> he was joking like because he listens to every episode bless him um he was joking but he he was like oh come on then if you don't tell me you've learned something then no you can't you can't put that on the podcast <laughs> but yeah, do you know what it's really true and and I appreciate my time um alone and that I can run because I genuinely every time I do go for a run you know I can I can have clarity I can gain perspective over what it may be that's going on in my life and I just I'm so grateful that I that I've got that time that downtime and I'm I'm not a mother like you are Sophie but I can appreciate that that is so important to you for you to have that downtime and like you said it doesn't have you know doesn't have to be running for other people um other other people who've reached out to you it's been like you said art painting drawing it could be reading but I I read and heard something on another podcast that um identity is such a, a crucial thing and that you can have identity in so many ways so it could be whether you go for um the morning walk you take your dog for a walk and it could be that you see these other people there at the park because they go the same time so it's it's seeing them during your weekly routine or go into a, a gym class like the same day every week and it's seeing those same faces or it could be a running club a sewing club a book club and you have this part of yourself your identity when you see these people in your life it's so crucial for for you and your being that it's outside your normality your norm day um away from your family and away from your job or career it's having that part of identity in all these different circles um that that make you who you are so I love that you said that I, I think it's right I think kind of we also kind of can easily attach ourselves to one thing and I realized when I was made redundant, when I was just got married, that I'd, I'd, I, my identity was completely wrapped up mm-hmm. in the fact that I was a successful young businesswoman. That was my identity. That was, that was all I was. Um, and when that kind of went, I came crashing to the ground and, and then went to Thailand to kick people in the head. Um, mm-hmm. And it was working out that I was kind of hanging by this one thread. 
And what I needed to do was kind of put some more ropes up and say kind of, okay, yes, I'm a businesswoman, but I have all these other things in my life um, that are me too. And I became a runner and, and now I'm a mother and I'm a friend and I have my social impact work and um, all of that. And at all, all times, kind of my husband has his too. And you're juggling these balls, but you've got lots of different things that are part of your identity. If one of them kind of crashes and burns now, and say, I get injured as a runner. I can't run anymore. I've got so much else in my life and something else will kind of fill the gap. Or um, for example, kind of um, if I, I found a new company and it fails, I've got all these other things that kind of buoy me up and my friends and family. And so it's having a, a multifaceted life is um, as a, a book I love called Anti-Fragile. Um, and it really is about kind of making sure that you're not... Um, leaving yourself exposed by one thing um, and, and having all these different things in your life um, kind of protect you from, from those kind of shocks. Mm. I'll have to look into that. That sounds really interesting, that book. Um, I mean, you might have already said it, but in case there was any um, another one reason then um, to just add on to what we've just said, what is your reason for running or what is your why? I bet there's far too many to, to summarise into one. I, I, I think it's it's so complex. Um, I think I get so much out of the mm. the training, but also the racing. I get different things out of them both. I think training is is just getting me out of the house, especially kind of at the moment I work kind of a couple of days from home and, and the rest in London. And um, I like the making me exercise. I'm a nicer person when I get home from exercise. Um, I enjoy feeling strong my my self-image is tied to what my body can do when I feel fit when I feel strong I feel confident um it's less about what it it's not what it, what it looks like it, it really is kind of how kind of strong I feel how how quick I can run up that hill um so I love that in the training and especially when um, I'm running groups and things like that so the training is structured getting out there solving my problems um on the hillside enjoying the nature I love I love seeing the change in seasons. Uh, now on, on North Downs Way, there's these beautiful woods called Chantry Woods. And I, I love every time I go there, I see kind of that nature's kind of moved forward in, in its cycle. So I think that's about the, the training and just it being part of my life and um, the flow that you get and the, the, the problems that you can solve. I think racing is a whole challenge of... Um, exploring something new, meeting new people. I love the the logistics of it. I love having kind of pacing things properly and having a light pack um, and, and going somewhere I've never been before. Um, it's so exciting. Um, so I get different things from both of them. I think if I didn't race, then I probably wouldn't have the, um, sometimes my training schedule might go a bit away because um, I'd be like, oh, I don't be mad about that run because I'm not going to race. Um, so I kind of need them both, and I can't race without training. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the most long-winded answer to the question. I just really like it. I think I love being out in nature. Um, I love using my body and seeing what my body can achieve um, and how strong it is. And that gives me so much in any other challenges I have in life becomes so much easier when you've just done a 268 mile race with hardly any sleep like nothing is going to be as hard as that so kind of especially difficult things in, in work and um 
there's there's no one that can challenge me more in a meeting than that race did yeah yeah love that and it isn't long-winded no I I it's so hard to summarize into just one reason or one phrase so I appreciate that um if there's a few other questions I really want to ask I'm just trying to work out which to ask you which to ask you next um you've done so many challenges um during your time as a runner and an ultra marathoner which would you say is the hardest challenge that you've managed to achieve Ooh, um I think spine is up there because of the length and the pain that my feet were in Mm. um but I think because the timing was easy like I had another two days I could have made it a lot easier on myself I was making it hard on myself because I wanted to um and there's videos on on the on the Montaigne um kind of Twitter you can and I think I posted on my Facebook so you can see the six second video you just see how much pain I'm in um on my Instagram like it's just it's horrendous um so that was hard I think Spartathlon might have been harder um, for a different reason that there was a time pressure. So Spartathlon is a 153-mile non-stop race from Athens to Sparta. Um, you've got a 36-hour cutoff, but there are much tighter cutoffs towards the start of the race. It's hot. You're on road. Um, it's hot. Mm. It's fairly hilly. And it's just really mentally difficult. And I was having an amazing race until mile 138. And I developed an edema in my quad. And I had to limp down this hill, which is worse for the quad. If it was flat, it would have been fine. Um, at three miles an hour, trying to keep that pace. So I made the cutoff um, because uh, it's only about a 50% finish rate. Um, and you have to qualify um, with quite tight cutoffs. So it really is quite difficult. Um, but that, I think, the mental, that was where time had to come into it. And that's where I really struggled um, because it wasn't about just me against me. It was me against the clock. Mm. Um, and I didn't enjoy that. And it's a reason I want to go back next year or, or as soon as I can get in again to run the final stretch. To You, can, you finish by kissing um king leonidas's feet and the statue and 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 having kind of an olive wreath and it, it's an, it's an incredible experience it's one of the best races i've done in my life but i want to go back and, and do myself justice mm. um and not be limping down that hill at the end when i was in good condition and i should have been flying down it mm. so i i had a coach robbie Britton, who's one of the 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 country's best kind of 24-hour runners and he'd done spartathlon he coached me so brilliantly for it and I kind of feel I let him down at the end with the injury and thinking, okay, I, I need to go back and um and really do this properly. Yeah. That sounds brutal having that injury at 138 miles in. Um yeah, but so for you to finish it, I think that's a huge achievement. I can see why that would be uh, one of the hardest ones as well. Um I'm sure I saw the other day you were gonna try and get a good for age for London marathon. I know I'm not a and, and everyone knows I'm not a marathon runner. So I've done, I've I've done. I think I think I worked out. I've done three marathons. The Kelly Ironman one. I've done four. Um, um, my first real marathon was Madoc, 
the one you go around drinking. Yeah. Um, and that was three weeks before Spartathlon. And all the other Spart- the all the British Sparta team, they're all doing these serious marathons. And I was out there drinking in um, dressed like a Red Riding Hood. Um, and my husband was a wolf, and we were doing kind of it was fairy tales and legends. Um, so I take my running really seriously. Um, and um, so that took six hours. Guatemala was like um, like over six. Um, then there was Ironman, and then yeah. So I done I done a Phoenix Marathon route in um, which is towpath before to get a good for age. Um, but then this year, the good for age, my last one was for when I was 38 weeks pregnant. And I'm not, even I'm not stupid enough to run a marathon at 38 weeks pregnant. Um, I think I might give birth on the course. So um, I, I just see London every year. And I've done the not around before, which is where you run around, start around three in the morning from the end of the route and run the route in reverse and you end up the finish at uh, the start line see everyone come in and then you go for a fry up um and it's great fun mm. so what I thought I'd do next year was do the Notterman and then turn around and run the London Marathon um so do the double um but I needed a London Marathon place so I had to find and the cutoff was kind of just last week so I had to find a really a, a local marathon I could do and luckily, the Phoenix event had one on. So it was loops of the towpath, super friendly, most inclusive marathon I've ever seen. The cutoff was seven hours, five hours to the half marathon, um, brilliant logistics, loads of Percy pigs at the checkpoints, which I quite liked, um, and fizzy sweets, ice lollies. Um, so I just had to run a good for age time. Um, but then I had to be really careful because I offered to pace my girlfriend, Lorna, um, for the last 43 miles of the North Downs 100 um, later that day. So I couldn't really go all out because um, I wouldn't be a very good pacer if I did. Um, so it was a bit of an interesting day. This is a couple of weeks ago. Um, but um, yeah, um, so now I'm running London next year, which I'm really excited about. And you're good for age. Well, I'm trying to remember what it is now for London because it's a bit um, slower than the other marathons, the major ones. What, what, I have no idea what they are. So for women, it's a three forty-five, and I think I came. I think I paced like a three thirty-six to yeah. be safe. Um, yeah. So um, I got I got caught talking. My my, my splits all over the place because I got chatting to people, and I just run at their pace, and then I find someone else, chat to them, run at their pace. Um, really, really badly run marathon for most people's standards, but um, um, and I I got some shoes straight out the box to put on. I mean, all the things that that like. You tell newbies not to do, and I did them all. Um, but um, no, it was great. I got a pair of them, um, the new Hocker um, Carbon Xs to try, which are amazing. Um, so um, yeah, it was it was really exciting. And for anyone who doesn't know, when you said Notaram, that's that's marathon spelt back backwards. Yes, that's the logic <laughs> that you run the marathon back to front, so to speak. So, but you know you start at the finish and end up at the start but I'm wondering you saying that now the logistics of marathon day for London Marathon how it's going to work if you're going to do that like you might need to set off pretty early because if you think of all the masses like lined up at the pen like have you looked into how you're going to do it um well I did I did a few years ago and um if we leave at three we left at three and we got to the the start line at seven and people were just filling into the the good because the good for age pen is separate. Um, yes. Then and and because I didn't really care about the time, 
um, obviously I'll be tired anyway from having run the first bit. The, the, the difficulty will be if my husband wants to run Notteram, um, which he did last year and had such a great time. Um, I might have to ask my parents so we can do it together and I can do the marathon. If we're going to have to, otherwise we'll have to tag team the kids. Yeah. Um, and he runs Notteram and I run the marathon. We'll work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we always do. But if anyone wants to um, run Notteram, um impact marathon series um follow their instagram and they will have an organized more organized um kind of group joining so it'd be great to have more people in that um just plodding along having loads of fun um on the route it's a it's a brilliant fun fun kind of um time yeah definitely like a lot less pressure etc what i'll um i can put the link for the impact marathon um, profile for Instagram so people can just click straight on the link in their footnotes so they can have a look then um and what is your next big goal or race I know we spoke about this briefly earlier so if you can just tell everyone what you're working towards now I haven't told anyone yet no. um, are you are you able to yeah I don't care it's more I haven't I've been I've been moving my head in the sand so I um to do Spartathlon next year I don't have a qualifier because none of the races I've done would count as qualifiers because they've been the wrong kind of races. Uh, spine's too too slow. Um, I haven't run a fast 100 miler in a long time. Um, so I need a 100 mile time. And the, I don't call it cheapest way to do it um, um, in terms of ease, but there's a 24 hour track race in Tooting um, in a few weeks time. Um, and I've always been intrigued by 24-hour track racing um, as a completely different mental challenge to anything I've done. I don't race track. I, I've only kind of done a few track sessions in my life. Um, I think I'm still haunted by the mile at school and being the second last round of track. Um, track, track and I are not good friends. Um, but I think it's such a pure, pure kind of... Um, show of running and mental strength and all the fun stuff of spine being able to walk up hills and and see these beautiful sceneries taken out um but I'll see lots of I'll see my crew all the time so um yeah it's 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 21st of September um well and 22nd because you kind of go 24 hours Mm. um 12 to 12 so I'm excited I have no idea what I'll be able to do but I'm hoping to get my Spartathlon qualifier with a good enough 100 mile split um and then I can decide what I want to do although I don't want to have that in my head that I just need to do the 100 miles get a good time and, and I can leave because I'd love to see what it's like to going to go to the very end round a track yeah um, and it's really exciting because every four hours you get to change directions which surely is the highlight of those four hours um so yeah I mean I'm excited but um it's been a I haven't been kind of training um, as hard as I've been, and now we're just kind of ramped, ramped it up for a while. So mm-hmm. um, I've got, I've only got a, a few weeks of good training in for it. So mm-hmm. it's not going in in prime fitness, but good enough to see what I can do and, and understand if I want to do more of that next year. Mm. I remember hearing about those track twenty four hour track events before, and how after four hours you can you you change the direction. But I thought, oh, my, like four hours going round a track. That's, no, you know, yes, you get to change direction, but it's no, 
that doesn't make it easier. And I'm wondering, like, for you, for your events and the adventures you've had and the ultra marathons and multi-stage marathons, you know, you had a idyllic, you know, scenic routes, perhaps. You've been out in nature. I mean, and that's been able to power you through, um, among other things. What's going to be your um, coping mechanism in this endurance event? Have you thought, like, what you're going to do? Because are you allowed to listen to music or anything? I, you must be. So I've got um, tracks headphones anyway. So um, I don't like wearing in-ear headphones unless I'm in the gym, um, mm. just because I like to wear my surroundings. So um, I'd have them anyway. Um, I I think hopefully there'll be some really nice people. I already know a few people doing the event um, to chat to. Hopefully I can go similar pace and chat because my favourite thing to do in running is chat. Um, I, I, so on spine, I barely used any, anything until, um, near the end when I put, um, um, audiobooks on. So I got through most of Michelle Obama's, um, autobiography on, um, spine, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I'll probably have a few books on, mm-hmm. um, and podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I love some of the, the crazy podcasts and learning something. I think it's always good when you've got your mind being kind of trying to calculate something, really understand quite a difficult topic. Even if you, I mean, you finished the run, you've forgotten everything. Mm-hmm. But it, I was trying to get my head around some kind of space physics um, that um, I think Professor Brian Cox was talking about mm. um, on one of his podcasts. And it was great. I mean, I don't remember anything, but the mental kind of trickery of trying to understand stuff bending and exploding um, kept me going for quite a few miles. Mm-hmm. Um, on a training run so um I think it'll be some some books um that I haven't got around to reading um I don't and one I, I don't really read um books anymore I think even on holiday with, with, the, with the kids kind of get in the way of that but I I do miss reading so I think I'll probably get a, a few audiobooks um and and listen to that and then um I don't know I have no idea how I'll get through it this is why it's quite fun because mm-hmm. I I don't know, um, and that's gonna put if I if I it was just a standard okay I'm gonna go around a trap for six hours I'm like well that's easy, um, twenty four hours is a whole new ball game, um, I didn't even know my body will hold up to it yet, um, my pelvis still isn't a hundred percent, and it's quite a lot of pounding so, um, I'm back on physio, and um, we'll see we'll see how it goes, mm-hmm. and the main aim is to get that you know, the 100 mile, the qualifying time, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's a good idea with the with the audio books, especially if you're not able to read much at the moment. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised to hear you say that, considering how busy your schedule and your lifestyle is. Um, and you said about podcasts as well, which leads me very well onto the next question. I like to ask people, um, if you could hear anyone being interviewed on this podcast, who would it be? Uh, oh, gosh, there's loads. Um Oh my gosh, who would I like to be interviewed? I'm always thinking thinking um female runners, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um what cat so I think that the the twenty four hour team is really interesting. So there's a British women's twenty four hour team. Um and my friend Kat Simpson is on it and she's incredible and she juggles being an amazing runner um with a life as a nurse um and just being a brilliant runner in general. Um, and person in general um, but I think the ultra of the 24-hour um, team and some of the members from there 
are just how they all it's de- definitely kind of an older something people get into there when they get to the end of their kind of end of the running career but kind of beyond mm-hmm. kind of 30 and 40 and you have a lot of people um um staying in 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 really good shape and juggling families yeah. and representing their country um i also think um um that sharon who just got the joggle record would be amazing um so she's um hold of multiple world records uh, and the same she's older than the average runner but she just took the world record for kind of land center john o'groats um so i think it's amazing to have so many women that a lot of people think once a 5k 10k sign start to go down that that's them for running and actually there's a whole world of endurance which many think improves as you get older to quite a a big extent and and quite a late extent in life um to have some of those women on um just because i want to learn from them too it's completely Mm -hmm. selfish um (laughs) but i think they're really inspiring as to what can be juggled around and what can be achieved and um the kind of crazy things they get up to um which like i'm hoping to to emulate at least part of through the rest of my running career yeah what did you say sharon had that um the record for the multiple the lands into john it's basically running from um north uh, of scotland to cornwall yes yeah, yeah and yeah. so the world record just got broken a couple of weeks ago it was mimi anderson's beforehand mimi's also an incredible um runner she's done doubles of all the the crazy runs so she's done double Bowwater and double spartathlon um she has inspired me since kind of i even kind of first took up ultra running and used to see her races and she was always so encouraging um of everyone and, and so so approachable and, and so mm. wonderful so um yeah. I, I was looking very long list of of all the 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 amazing women that inspire me no, I love it. Thank you for that. Um, I'll have to check out some of those names and those things now later just to, to have a little look. Um, my last question for you um, is quite a, a relevant question then going on from what we've what we've just um, spoken about with those inspiring ladies and how they're juggling things and you know achieving am- amazing, amazing things. Um, if you could give other females, be that athletes, runners, you know, triathletes, female entrepreneurs, whatever it may be, um, your best advice for if and when they're considering um, to have um, to start up a business or in, like in your case have another baby or they've got personal goals or they're working towards you know what would it be with regards to achieving what they want oh gosh that's um let me think I think you have to set your goals and make sure that they they really are your goals and that's what you really want to do. Um, because if you set a goal that you don't really deeply care about, um, when anything gets in your way, it's easy to give up. Um, and then when it's your goal, if you have a partner and you have a family, it needs to be their goal too. Mm. And they need to support you in it. In the same way that you'd support them, your, uh, them and theirs. Um, so my husband is racing Ice Ultra in January. And my training schedule will look very different in November and December because are we looking at rearranging our family schedules around his training, which is most important? And so it goes from kind of sometimes your goals are are the focus, sometimes their goals are the focus, but you have to get that family buy-in and that real deep personal kind of drive for that's the thing you want. And 
I see kind of quite a few people say, I want to do an ultra. And so why do you want to do an ultra? And, and sometimes genuinely, it's just because they want something to post on Instagram. And at the deepest, darkest points of a hundred mile race, wanting to post it on Instagram is not going to get you through the hole um, that everyone goes through. Um, so I think it's something really personal to you, doing it for a reason, and then getting as much support as you can around you. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about kind of when there's something we want to do, is like how can we do it? Like, what does it mean to do this? What has to change? What goes where? And then look at what that looks like and say, does that work for us? Um, and sometimes it doesn't. But if it does, then really committing to it um, and, and being vocal and say, that's, that's what I'm going for. Um, and then just getting on with it. I think that's great advice. I don't think you could have said anything better, really. I, I love that. It, it's something that you've really got to want. Yeah. And and, Le- and also Ma- marrying the girls up as well. Um, I remember seeing a post you'd put and um, and saying how, you know, it was his goal as well, that the UTMB. And, and again, going back to your support network, um, you know, that, that meant everything. It wasn't just you. You know, you, you all work together as a team and your goal was his goal as well. It is John, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, you know, your goal was John's goal as well. And I love that. Um, I think that's brilliant advice to take away. Um, thank you, Sophie, so much for your time. I do really appreciate it. I know your schedule is really hectic, really busy. Um, so, yes, thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me. And I've really enjoyed it. And I'm going to look forward to hearing the other podcasts and series as well. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for joining today and listening to Not Another Runner podcast. Please tell your friends and family who you think would enjoy the content I'll be sharing. Don't forget you can get in touch with me over on Instagram via Not Another Runner. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast, any suggestions on guests or topics. This is greatly appreciated. Send me your questions through as well if you want and use the hashtag why I run to be featured. And hey, if you can, hit subscribe to the podcast. This will really help me to be able to give you more. Thank you again. And remember, when you get up and exercise or go for a run, you never regret going, but you always regret not going. Have a great week, guys, and speak soon.